This week, a package arrived at our door, and my wife rushed and opened it with excitement. Can you guess what was inside? No, it wasn't an iPhone 10. That's not coming for another while. But it was something just as important. The cover, the shield. You know that thing, right? The shield arrived before the phone. But you know what I'm talking about. Everyone has one. If you own a phone or some other expensive electronic piece of equipment, you have to get the, the, the protecting screen and the shield, right? You have to have it because the stuff is so delicate. Uh, it's made so beautiful. If you drop it, you're going to break it. You're going to damage it. It's going to cost you a lot of money. So you buy this little piece of plastic. You slap on there. We call it uh, the, my, the case, the iPhone 10 case that arrived before the iPhone. It's pretty funny. But it's just as critical. Everyone knows you have to have a case. You have to have that screen shield, right? You, you, you get it on there, you put it on there in case you drop it inadvertently. We all know about protective cases. Uh, some are called armor. They're called armor. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about battle armor. Battle armor. So if you, if you would, if you would please open your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to describe and discuss a very familiar battle. And today we're going to cover and talk about specifically battle armor. If you brought a Bible with you, that's fantastic. Open it up. If you didn't happen to bring one, there's one in the pew in front of you next to the hymnal. You can open that up or on your smartphones. Or if you are fortunate, you brought your iPhone 10s, you can also open it up. If you're one of the select few who has an iPhone 10, uh, open it up there. So we're in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we find a very familiar story, one that uh, is one of my favorites. Uh, and I'll tell you why in just a minute. <clears throat> and it's about a famous biblical character named David. Named David. Y'all remember... David was the youngest of many brothers, and the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel that um, a prophet came to David's house by God's instructions to elect and select and anoint the next king of Israel. And uh, the father of the house put forth the oldest and brightest, the tallest, most handsome sons. But the prophet said, not him, not him, not him. Eventually, he went through all the sons except for the youngest because he was just a boy out tending sheep, just a little shepherd boy. Uh, so the father of the house, Jesse, didn't even think to bring him in. But the prophet said, no, go call him and bring him in. And when he saw him, God spoke to the prophet and said, this is the one. So ever since he was young, David knew God had a special call upon his life. And so we fast forward a little bit and we find David now entering into action. You remember the story. <clears throat> the people of Israel are at war with their arch nemesis, the Philistines. Or Philistines, depending on where you're from, you know, from, from the south or something. The Philistines. And so they're at war, which is uh, something that happens throughout the Old Testament. They are neighbors. They are, uh, you know, uh, they, they share a border. So there's constantly battles going back and forth. And in this particular part of the story of Israel, we find that these armies are out of stand-up. If you read chapter 17, I'm going to go right to it because I know it's after 12 and y'all are starting to get hungry. By the way, we have snacks every first Saturday of the month, so you should come a little early and get snacks. Then you'll be all jazzed up like me. I had yogurt today, so I'm ready to go. So if you didn't get your yogurt, you should come next time. Get your yogurt. Be ready to go. The Bible tells us that the Philistines and the Israelites were at war. But this was a particularly interesting war because no one was fighting. If you read chapter 17, you might remember the story. It will be familiar to you. The, the, the Israelites had gone out to battle, and they were occupying one side of an embankment. And on the other side were the Philistines. So they had made camp on this side. The Israelites had made camp on this side. And there was sort of a valley in between them. 
And in this valley, it would have represented the field of war, the place where the conflict would take place, except nobody was budging. Because the Bible tells us in chapter 17 that a strong man, a, a champion of sorts, would come out of the Philistine camp. You remember his name, anybody? Goliath, of course you remember the name, you know the story. Goliath, this, this giant would come out from the Philistine camp, go, walk down into the valley, and there issue a challenge, a strong challenge. And he would say in a loud voice, he would say, I dare any man from Israel to come and fight me mano a mano. Hand-to-hand -hand combat. And he said, if I, uh, you take your strongest man, set him down. If I beat him, if I beat him, then you guys... You guys surrender to us. But if he's able to beat me, then we'll surrender to you. So every, every day he would stand up and make, these, uh, uh, make this challenge. You know the story. The Bible tells us that essentially he would come out and, and, and make the statements and he would curse the people of Israel. But, but he was a giant by the Bible's estimations. He was tall and, and brawny and, and like, like big. And, and so none of the Israelites would, would dare uh, step out and, and come forward. And the Bible tells us that during this time they were sort of at a standoff. For days, day after day after day, he would come out, he would issue the challenge, none of the Israelites would go down, and basically they would just stay on opposite sides. Nobody was fighting, uh, nobody was willing to take the challenge. And the Bible tells us that in the Israelite army, the sons of Jesse, some of the older sons, were part of the military, they're part of the army, and they were at the battle. They weren't doing any fighting, they were just on their camp, every day they would sharpen their spears, get ready their swords, but no one actually do any battling. And the Bible tells us that while the boys were away, uh, their father, Jesse, grabbed the son, the youngest son, the little shepherd boy, you remember? Little shepherd boy, you know, he of the rosy cheeks and no beard. Uh, and he told him, hey, uh, why don't you go check in on your brothers? I I'm going fast, you can read it for yourself, chapter 17. Why don't you go check in on your brothers, take some bread and cheese and go see how they're doing. Worried father said, go check on the boys. And the Bible tells us that uh, David went out, took his little wagon and I don't know, pulled it with what, but he went out to bring some bread and some cheese. Uh, <clears throat> the Bible tells us in chapter 17, verse 20, that early in the morning, David left the flock, loaded up, set out, just as his father had directed, and he reached the camp. Chapter, chapter 17, verse 20, follow along with me. And it says, and he reached the camp as the army was going out to take their battle positions, shouting their war cry. So apparently, every morning, the Israelites would put on their stuff, and they would go to the embankment, and they'd be like, Ah, they would, I don't know what a battle cry is. Anybody know what a battle cry is? Does anybody do battle cries now? Yes? Okay. Um, what's uh, like SDSU? Is there an Aztec battle cry? Is there a thing? SD. Okay, SD. SU. Okay, uh, I don't know. I know Texas does hook them and um, this is a USC fight song if you're a USC fan. Nobody? Just me? Okay, that's fine. I'll take you guys. There's a fight song. This is a fight on SC, old SC. So they would go out to their battle stations and they were like, ah, the Bible says. That David arrived at just the time when the, when the army was going out to take their battle stations and they would shout in the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines and facing each other. And David got there and said, oh man, it's going to go down. A fight is happening. And he dropped his cheese and he went to the battle lines. But when he got there, there. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and he ran to the bottom and greeted his brothers. But as he was walking with them, Goliath, are you following along with me? Verse 23. Okay. You, Goliath came out of the Philistine camp, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. And when the Israelites saw this man, they all ran from him in fear. So picture in your mind's eye, an entire army 
gets up in the morning, puts on all their gear. They take their battle positions, swords and spears, and ah! But as soon as that giant steps out, they were like, ah, see you later, uh, back to camp. So it says that they, when the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Now the Israelites have been saying, do you see this man that keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. This man comes out and he's taunting us. He's, 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 he's mocking us. And then they begin to talk amongst themselves. They said, you know that the king will give great wealth to the man who actually goes down there and takes him on. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. Love that. The king is like, hey, anybody want to take him on? Anybody? I'll give you great wealth. And you're like, yeah, I don't know about that. I'll give you my daughter in marriage. Maybe she was pretty. I don't know. But then he's like, and no taxes, right? And you're like, yeah, I'm in. I'm in for that. I mean, like right now, because Uncle Sam, man, he's got a grip on me. You with me? Anybody with me? I, I, it's tough writing out those IRS tax checks. I'm telling you. So if the king was like, free taxes, I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. Count me in. I'm all about that. Free taxes. The king says, great wealth, not enough. My daughter, not enough. How about taxes? But still, no takers. The Bible says that David asked, so, so who's going? Uh, wh- wh- who, who's going? And, and, the, and the, the soldier's like, nobody. So David says, wait, remind me again what's in it for the, for the, for the Israelite champion? What will be done for the man who kills the Philistine? What will be done? And they're like, well, okay, a lot of wealth, daughter in marriage, and free taxes. And then David says this, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David is young, but he's got a little spunk to him. You know, he's got a little spunk to him. David's like, who does this guy think he is? See, <clears throat> it's, it's the Chihuahua syndrome. You know, y- y'all with me, right? You know, like when you put a Chihuahua and a Rottweiler next to each other, the Chihuahua's like, who do you think you are coming into my, right? You with me? It's that Chihuahua syndrome. Like, they're small, but they don't know they're small. David's like that. He's like, he says, who is this giant coming in here talking all this smack? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should dare defy the armies of the living God? And the, the, uh, the army is like, listen, kid, you just <laughs> pipe down, simmer down, bring it down a notch. And they told him everything was going on. And they repeated to him, and well, if, if someone is brave enough to go down there, this is what will happen. And the Bible says that when one of David's brothers, this is verse 26, uh, 28, when one of David's brothers heard, he, he was angry with the little brother, and he said, why are you even down here? Why have you come here? And, 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 and who's taking care of the sheep? That was your job. And I know how conceited you are, how wicked your heart is, and you come down only here to watch the battle. It's big brother saying, little brother, shoot. Uh, does anybody have an older brother? Anybody? No one. Okay. Uh, okay, those of you guys that are younger brothers, younger siblings, you know what it's like, right? You try to mix it up and your older brother's like, hey, go away, go away, right? Get away. You're bothering me. That's what's happening. David's like, what's going on? What, what, what are we going to do? And the older brother's like, shoo, fly, shoo. What have you, and why have you left the sheep? You're just a shepherd boy. You're just a nobody. You're just a nobody. And David's like, what did I do? Right? That's, what did I do? I didn't do anything. Can I even talk? Can I even say nothing? I literally can't even. And then he turned to someone else and began to ask. And it turns out that David was asking all these questions. And the Bible says that it caught the attention of Saul. And by the way, if you don't know the story, Saul is the king of Israel. And if you don't know anything about Saul, when Saul was elected, he's the first king of Israel. He was actually and is in this moment Israel's giant. The Bible describes him as head and shoulders above everybody else. So he was by stature uh, an imposing figure himself. 
So obviously, as you think back in the story, it would make only sense that if the Philistines sent out their giant, Israel should send out his giant. Except that giant didn't want to go. <laughs> he was the shy giant. And uh, this shy giant overheard that David was making a fuss in the camp, and he said, bring that boy to me. And in verse 32, David talks to the king, and he says, king, don't even worry about this Philistine. I'll go down here and take him out. Well, he didn't exactly say that, but kind of. He says, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Don't worry about this Philistine. Your servant will go down and fight him. And Saul replied, you aren't able to go down against the Philistine. You're just a boy. And this man has been fighting from his youth. You are just a boy. But this man is a soldier. He's always been a soldier. See, in this moment, we find something that's beginning to brew right now. The battle lines are drawn in the physical conflict, but there's something else happening that is not in the physical realm. It's in the spiritual realm. Saul looks at the boy and he says, who are you to come in here? And you can't do this because you are just a boy and you'll be going up against a soldier, a lifelong soldier. And David responds and he says, David says to Saul, verse 34, uh, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Yes, I am a shepherd. But when a lion or a bear came and took off one, with one of my sheep, I went after it. I struck the bear and the lion and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. And then when it turned on me, I grabbed it by its hair. I love David. He's like, I'm not afraid of no lion. I grab it by its hair. Because <laughs> if you ever fight a lion, hair pulling is okay. Hey, it's all right. If you're fighting people, no, hair pulling. But if you're fighting a lion, you just go ahead and pull. David says, when it sees, when it turned on me, I grabbed it by its hair and I struck it and killed it. And it says, your servant, David, has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be exactly like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. So Saul says, you can't do this. In the physical sense, it's not possible. He is a giant. If you read the description, he was really quite the man. Something like nine feet tall, probably several hundred pounds. And David is just a boy, a 17-year-old. Like Franz or, or Lucas. Yeah, like Lucas. Like Lucas, you know, rosy cheeks, fair skin, you know. And, and Saul says, you got no chance. But David says, no, 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 I do have a chance because the God who delivered me in the past will deliver me in the present. What, what Saul sees in this moment of battle is what the eye can see, the eye test. But what David says is about the unseen. A God is on my side. A God is on my side. And notice what happens next. Talk about battle armor. So uh, Saul says to David, okay, uh, read it with me, please. Uh, David says, the Lord will deliver me. And Saul says, okay, well then go and may the Lord be with you. Now, at first glance, that sounds like something nice to say, but you got to understand who's saying this. <laughs> it's like Saul saying, oh yeah, well go and God bless. Have you ever done that to somebody? I know you have. I know you have. I know you have. I know you've been in conflict with someone. You don't know how to resolve it. Well, well, okay, fine. Just, well, I'll pray for you. Have you done that? I know you have. You'd be like, well, you're texting them. You're like, well, this, this. Okay, fine. Well, just go ahead and I'll pray for you. I'm praying for you. It's your way of saying, may the Lord deal with you. Oh, good luck with that. God bless. Happy Sabbath. 
And here the, Saul is saying, okay, fine, you want to go? Go, and may the Lord be with you. But you know, he doesn't actually believe that. Because here's the thing about Saul. See, Saul used to defeat the Philistines. He used to. If you read before this, Saul has gone into battle and has defeated the Philistines because he had God's blessing. And God has been with Saul before. It's God who anointed him king and who gave him victory time and time again in his quests. But at some point in that juncture, despite having the favor and the anointing of God, Saul began to think differently about his dependence on God. He began to think differently about the battle and the battle armor. He began to put more confidence in his own military might, his own military ability. He began to think less about his dependence on God and more about his dependence on himself. So there were times when Saul wanted to do something and God said, no, I don't want that. And Saul said, well, I want to do it anyway. Does that sound like somebody you know? Maybe somebody you woke up with? When God says, no, I don't want you to do that, but you say, but, but I think it's a good idea. I think I want to do it anyway. That's what happened to Saul. So Saul knows what it's like to have the favor and the blessing of God. But by the time we find him, the reason Saul won't dare go out into the battle is because he knows he's been operating on his own for quite some time. If you read the rest of the story, he didn't want to hear God's prophets, so he started looking out for other prophets. Anybody would tell him what he wanted to hear. So by the time we encounter him, he's still king, but God has already picked his successor because God has already figured out, decided, and Saul has revealed that he no longer wants to obey and follow follow God's leading. So Saul won't dare go out there and fight the giant, even though he's a giant himself, because he's acting out of the favor of God. Listen, friends, in spiritual battle, if you try to take on the enemy on your own, you will lose. I'm going to repeat that. In spiritual battle, if you try to take the devil out on your own, you will lose. You are physical. He is spiritual. He is stronger, craftier than you. In fact, he's so crafty, he'll make you think it was your idea in the first place. That's how he did it in the beginning. That's how he continues to do it now. Saul is recognizing this to some degree. He knows he can't really go out there. He's afraid. He's fearful. Despite the battle cries, he runs back into his tent every day. So then David says, no, I'll go in the name of the Lord. And Saul says, okay, go. May the Lord be with you. I was like such a hypocrite, right? May the Lord be with you. But in his mind, he's thinking, you're going to get slaughtered. <laughs> Right? He's thinking, you're going to get slaughtered. May the Lord be with you. See, Saul had clothed himself with hypocrisy. He was a chosen man of God, but was not following God's instructions. He's a lot like us, who believe we're Christians, profess to be Christians, but yet refuse to heed the words of God in the Bible. So we're out there on our own. So he tells David, go with the Lord. But wait, before you go, let me at least give you my battle armor. So the Bible says that Saul dressed David in his tunic. He put the coat of armor on him, the bronze helmet on his head. David fastened his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he wasn't used to them. Saul was much taller anyway. And he tried, and I'm sure you've pictured this if you were a kid in Sabbath school, pictured uh, um, I, um, my son uh, got a t-shirt uh, this past week, but it was a, an adult t-shirt, but he put it on anyway. You know, it's like a t-shirt goes down to here and down to here, and he's running around in this t-shirt. That's the way I pictured David here, something that's super big, you know, like, and he's trying to walk around in this thing, and he's not used to it, and he says, I can't go in these. Look, he says, I can't go in these because I'm not used to them, so he takes off Saul's battle armor because despite the fact that it was just physical armor, Saul's spiritual armor was also of no use to David. Saul's spiritual armor 
was also of no use to David. Why? Because Saul's spiritual armor was based on his own abilities. He stopped following God's instructions. He was trying to follow his own instructions. Your own morality, your own sense of righteousness will never lead you in the ways of God. It would only lead you in your ways. And the Bible says, God says, my ways are higher than yours. Right? As the heavens are higher from the earth, so are my ways above your ways. You'll never be able to understand me. You have to trust me. Saul's battle armor, both physical and spiritual, were of no use to David. And David recognized that. And he said, I can't go in these. The Bible tells us that David took him off. You know the story. And then he took his staff in his hand, his stick, his shepherd's stick, and he chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pouch in his shepherd's bag, and with the sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. David decides to go on the thing that God has already given him. Listen, friends, to do spiritual battle, you don't need more than what God has already given you. That should be good news. Sometimes we think, well, I, I got to be like the pastor. I got to have all this knowledge, all these diagrams. Not true. David was just a shepherd boy. Everyone else saw him as unfit, but God had already given him all the tools, just like he's already given you all the tools to encounter the battles that you will face. David reaches into his bag. You know the story. Meanwhile, the Philistine comes out with his shield bearer in front of him, and he keeps, close, keeps coming closer to David. David looked, and he saw... He looked over David, actually, verse 42. He looked over, the, the giant looked over David. I know I'm talking fast, so what? And he saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, like, like Lucas. Uh, um, you know, fair skin, rosy cheeks. And he looked at him, and he saw that he was ruddy and handsome, and only a boy, and he despised him. He's like, how dare you guys send a little boy to challenge me? And he said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And then the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And he said, come here, I'll give, you, I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and your birth of the field. So this soldier from the Philistines comes out and he's got battle armor. If you read the story, you know, he's got this major masses of steel and copper and bronze. But, but he's got a different kind of spiritual armor himself. It's not hypocrisy. It's not like Saul's. It's not hypocrisy. See, the, the soldier had been... The Bible tells us a soldier from his youth. He was used to beating people. He was used to winning these wars, physical. He was like, like a bully that you've met who's always accustomed to getting your lunch money. You with me? He, he's like that bully at work who always takes credit for your work. You with me? He's like that person at school who seems to get his way all the time. He's used to winning. He was like the, 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 the sports star in your school who always gets to be chosen. He was used to winning. So his spiritual armor is actually pride. He was convinced that he was going to win. That's why he would go out there and make the threat to begin with. He was so full of himself, he thought there's no way anyone will ever defeat me. That's why they would let him go out and say, hey, anyone, come and take me one-on-one. -on -one. If you beat me, we'll just surrender to you. He was so full of pride he was so full of pride that there was not even a moment in his mind of hesitation. And in spiritual battles, friends, sometimes that can be true also of us. Some of us think or have come to believe that we know so much about the Bible, that we've studied so much our lessons and, and gone to Christian schools that there's no way the devil can get us. Some of us are full of pride. Some of us think we all... This is easy. I can overcome this temptation. This is not a problem for me. I have overcome. And, and we come to that place where we don't, we don't have a healthy fear of the devil. 
we don't have a healthy apprehension about the dark forces that the Bible says are real. And so we think we can just walk in and do and, and be able to fend off all temptation in all situations. And some of that, I'll, I'll just be honest with you, is, is, is this, this armor of pride is a very Adventist thing to have. A lot of us who grew up in Adventist church just caught up in this idea that we know all the truth and the truth will set us free and somehow we can't be taken by surprise until it happens, right? Until it happens. That's why every one of you guys has a horror story about some pastor, teacher, educator, administrator who then fell off the deep end. You see what I mean? The Bible says pride goes before destruction. And in this moment, this, this, this soldier is filled, clothed in the battle armor of pride. And so he says, you little boy, come here. I'm going to tear you to pieces. I'm going to shred you up. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? And the Bible tells us that David's response, and this is where you need to hear, this is the tool I want to give you today. David's response is this. You come against me, listen, listen. This is chapter 17, verse 45. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. You come against me with sword and javelin and spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Friends, the physical world that we exist in is full of conflict. But right alongside that physical world, there's a spiritual realm that we exist in that is also full of conflict. The devil, the Bible says, is out there each and every day trying to undermine you, the truth about who you are, and your inheritance, the thing that God has entrusted for you. Life, peace, joy, forgiveness, kindness, generosity. That's your inheritance. But the devil is constantly trying to take that away. And he comes at you sometimes in the physical world, Sometimes in the spiritual world. He comes at you sometimes by bringing you disease and, and accidents and brokenness. And sometimes, and probably more often in the spiritual world, by bringing you shame, guilt, fear, division, injustice. By telling you things that are untrue about yourself. That you are worthless. That no one would love you. That God does not want you. But that is not the truth. And so David responds to the devil's accusations with these words. I come to you. In the name of the Lord God Almighty. I come to you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. Friends, we can trust the battle armor that God has given us. In the New Testament, in the scripture for today, the Bible says that he has given us the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, feet readiness with the readiness that comes from the gospel, and the sword of truth. The Bible tells us that God has given each and, every one of us, each and every one of us the ability to tap into the Lord Almighty's power. You know how the story goes, right? No need for spoiler alerts. David, with that phrase in his, in his mouth and that phrase in his heart, reaches in, pulls a stone, and fells a giant. You know how the story goes. One tiny 17-year-old, rosy-cheeked, fair-skinned shepherd boy takes down this immense giant. Because the battle, friends... In Ephesians 6, it says it's not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. The real struggle for us isn't what will happen necessarily in the physical realm, but it's in the spiritual realm. What's happening inside your heart and your mind where you are determining the truth about who you are, and God wants to fight for that. God wants you to know and understand that you are all sons and daughters of God. 
that he's not trying to keep people out of the kingdom, but bring people into the kingdom. That God's sincerest heart's desire is that he would save all of his children, for he loves us each one. That's why Jesus says, I will leave the 99, shepherd, the 99 sheep that are safe and go hunting for that one. That's why Jesus says, I will do whatever it takes. In John chapter 6, he says, I've come to do the will of my Father. The will of my Father is this, that I should lose none, no one, for I have come to seek and save anyone who is lost. That's why Jesus says, come unto me, all who are weary in labor, all who have concerns, all who have burdens, come unto me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Jesus' intention in his heart is to give us Something that we cannot gain for ourselves, but something that is readily accessible through his power. In the name of the Lord Almighty, I come. So I want to give you that. As the worship team comes back on the stage, as we get ready to our closing song, I'm going to give you that. As you face challenges this week, both physical and spiritual, as you face doubts, fears, concerns, situations that you don't know how to get out of, remember these words, I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Read the word of God. Let it fill you with truth. Let it fill you with confidence that you don't have to be shaken by the enemy's attacks. Let it fill you with the certainty that the blood of Jesus Christ shed on that cross is payment for your sin. No matter what you did yesterday, God loves you this morning. No matter what you did last year, God has new life available for you today. And all you've got to do is say, in the name of the Lord, I come to you in the name of the Lord. When the devil tells you you're not good enough, when the devil tells you no one's going to love you if they knew the truth about you, when the devil tells you, when the devil tells you these people aren't real, they're not genuine, you say to him, the blood of Jesus Christ covers my sins and theirs. I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And with those words... And with that truth, you can have victory. You too can have victory. It's not just a biblical story. It's a story of today and of life for your challenges and your battles. So would you please stand and sing with us. And in your heart, in your mind, turn your attention to God and let him give you the victory that you need.